0: Well, good morning and happy Resurrection Day. He is risen. There you go. If you brought a copy of Scripture with you today, you can find Mark chapter 16 as we celebrate our Lord Jesus and His resurrection, which makes the good news good news. Amen? It's not good news if you have a dead Savior, but He's alive. Amen? And all four accounts of the gospels tell us exactly that how convincing is it in your life if you claim to be a christian that jesus that is convincing to others that jesus has risen from the dead the bible makes it very clear we'll talk about that in a moment but how convincing is it to others that you believe that he rose from the dead the other day i was talking with someone who uh, I had the joy and the privilege of leading he and his wife to Christ uh, about a half a dozen years ago, and uh, they were atheists, they were evolutionists, the whole nine yards, and God had completely changed their lives, and now they're going into missions and they're going to go uh, uh, and we'll you'll hear more about it in the weeks to come, and uh, we were talking and he told me something he'd never said to me before he said he said pastor he said when you were sharing the gospel with me he said. He said, I appreciated the message, but it wasn't just your message that led me to believe. I said, really? He goes, he goes yeah, it wasn't just your message. It was, it was that you were so convinced of the truth of, your, of the message. And that was, I'd never heard him share of that before. And I see that in the resurrection story, on the Easter morning story of Jesus, and in the lives, the radically changed lives. The convinced lives that came out of it led many others to Christ. In fact, belief not only converts, it convinces. Do you believe? And if so, how convincing is your belief? Christianity, Christianity as we understand it, literally hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't provide any wiggle room for unbelief. You either believe it or you don't. And if you really believe it, it will change you and it will change those whom you encounter. It just does. It just will. I'm reminded of the story that took place in the late 18th century. David Hume was a, think, uh, uh, think uh, Sam Harris or Richard Dawkins today. He was the Sam Harris of the 18th, a rank unbeliever. Uh, part of the intelligentsia he was seen in the early morning hours one sunday making his way to hear the great evangelist george whitfield preach and as he was going there somebody saw him they said aren't you david hume he said yes he said uh, you're going to hear george whitfield preach." He says, I- yes i am he goes you don't even believe what he preaches and and hume's response was i know i don't but he does he was drawn by how convincing Whitfield was. Are people drawn to you in that way? Is your belief impacting others? My favorite, my favorite account of all the resurrection accounts is the one where Jesus is talking to the, uh, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Many of you remember that story. He disguises himself. He's risen. It's getting late in the day. And he's kind of lay he, before he lays out. Uh, himself in the Bible. He he's talking to them. They're just, they've given up all hope. They've just, they said, Man, we had hoped that this Jesus was gonna be the one to redeem us. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish and slow of heart, to what do you remember what he said? To believe. To believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ who have suffered then enter into his glory? And then he laid out himself throughout the scripture, and they were then convinced. So as you look around here, those watching online, you think of Christians around the world, there are many being persecuted. How do the persecuted for their faith endure? How do the lonely out there find fulfillment? How do the grieving find hope? How does the dying Christian smile Like my friend, Dr. Mark, who is watching online, watching this service. I I believe this service he's watching. Dr. Mark, God bless you, my brother. One one young man in our church had the joy of leading Dr. Mark to Christ several months ago. He's full of cancer. He will be gone within the next few days. But he goes with a smile because he knows he's going to get a new body. He's going to be brand new. He's convinced in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of these individuals get through these things because they believe. But believe what? Well, come and see. There's evidence to observe, all right? There's a lot of evidence when you put them all together that Jesus rose from the dead. For instance, he appears. No less than 10 times, according to Scripture. He appeared to 500 people at one time. He appeared physically so that he actually let people touch him. He actually ate, consumed food. Only physical people, glorified physical person, that is, can do that. And he hung around for a month and a half, which didn't hurt, to prove that he was alive. Amen? And then you have all of these convincing, changed lives of those who believed. But for our time, Mark chapter 16, here's what it says. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. They probably bought them the night before right after the Sabbath so they could go to the tomb. Uh, And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, I love that, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who who rolled away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. We know from the Matthew's account, the angel had done that, not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. Amen? It was very large. And entering the tomb, they, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. Go ahead and interact with this if you don't mind. Thank you. He has risen, and he's not here. See, behold, the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone that is until they got to the disciples then they talked a lot for they were afraid so come and see there's evidence to observe here okay and these are some of the observations i just want to just in passing one these women expected to find a dead man did they not They brought spices to anoint the dead Jesus. This is more proof that that no one expected Jesus to be alive when they got to that tomb, even though he had said repeatedly that he was going to rise from the dead. Critics today talk about how Christians hallucinated in the first century because they had what they call a wish fulfillment. I mean, they so... They so wanted him to be alive that they just sort of imagined him to be alive. But when you read the accounts, none of that is true. Nobody expected him to be alive. This is actually a negative proof that you can believe that he was. Now, this is something I want you to think upon. This is what I also observe in this account. Though your devotion won't save you, Jesus does not ignore a desiring heart And may, in fact, reward it. Now think about that for a moment. Your devotion can't save you. You that are watching online, you in this room, many of you are devoted. You're devoted to your religion. You're devoted to God. That will not save you. But if it's sincere, Jesus does not ignore the desiring heart and may, in fact, reward it. Let me prove that to you for a moment. you got to jump ahead in the resurrection story, after the church begins, this happens in Acts chapter 10. Watch this. Here's what it says. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, that Roman soldier, over 100 men, of what was known as the Italian cohort. Watch how he's described. He's a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Sounds like a believer, doesn't it? About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God uh, come and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. If you read the rest of the account, Peter preaches to him and he gets saved. Look at that. Was God listening? Yes or no? Go like this. Yes, He was. Was He saved? Yes or no? No, He wasn't. And neither are some of you. You might be devoted, but you're not delivered yet. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Amen? God hears everyone. He's not obligated to listen or hear you, but if your heart is desirous to know Him, He will send His messenger. The messenger is giving it to you right now. The question is, do you believe it? Will you believe it? That your devotion, your religion, your baptism, the thousand things that you're trusting right now cannot get you to heaven, but the resurrected Jesus can, if you'll believe it. Did you see what time they came? They came early, right? What they lacked in belief, they made up for in devotion. Okay? I love what it says in Proverbs 8, verse 17. It says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me, what? Early, they'll find me. Isn't that what these women did? They sought him early, and God revealed himself to them. These women never did get an opportunity to to apply their ointment. (laughs) Instead of pouring out their oils in grief, they would soon pour forth their praise and belief, amen, for the joy of knowing him. Your devotion won't save you, but the resurrected Jesus will. You know what else I observe? I, I, I read it this way, a beautiful play on words, because it says exactly this in the Greek. Verse 2 says, the early when the sun had risen, S-U-N. But the sun had risen, amen? Another thing I noticed is, is, the, is the confident declaration of truth that came from the angel that they, inter- that they interacted with. Now, they go into the tomb. They see this young man who is an angel. And he tells them not to be alarmed, right? That's a strong word. It literally just means to be shocked out of your senses. I mean, it's like they walk. Can you imagine? They're walking. In the- there's- Boy, the-, the stone's roll back. Whoa, there's an angel. That's the idea here. I mean, it's like it reminded me of walking into one of our local convenience uh, uh, gas stations that sell uh, pizzas. And I just ordered a pizza. And I walked in. It was really quiet. I walked in there. And I walked up to the counter. I said, hey, do you have my pizza? I mean, this guy was in his own world at the time. He went, oh, Jesus, he says. And he scared me. I said, no, no, not Jesus. I'm just one of his rips. That's what I told him. This angel was just like that. He, he was an angel, but he's just one of the representatives, one of the servants of Jesus. But when he tells him, notice he says, he's not here, look, he is risen. And this assurance, this confidence that he poured into these women was, would lead these gals to belief. And this is what I, I meant when I said at the very beginning, does your belief convince anybody else? I also notice the clear observation of truth. That is that the tomb was empty. Look at verse 6. He says, see, some of your Bibles say, behold. The Greek literally says, be sure you see this. Here's the angel. He's talking to the women. He says, see? In Matthew 28, the angel says, come, come and see. Have you ever had somebody say to you, can you see this and you can't see it? Any morale hunters out here? Okay, you're waiting for the days to warm up so you can go out and find these juicy little buggers, you know. But if you've, you've had the experience like me, it's more like this. You come up, and there's actually morels, but you're... So when my friend, Tom, took me morale hunting many years ago, he was like an expert morale hunter. And we would walk, and I'd be right in this area, you know, and he'd go, you see it? And I'd go, uh, no. It's right there in front of you. And I'd say, Ah, I don't see it. And he'd take his little staff that he'd have and he'd point right to the mural. I was like, oh, there it is. I couldn't see him until my friend pointed him out. I couldn't see Jesus either. Not the Jesus of the Bible until my brother with his staff, the staff of the word of God, pointed him out. And then the Jesus that I had in my head became the Jesus of my heart. The resurrected Jesus resurrected my heart, my dead heart, when it was pointed out to the blind man here. By the way, what what was the angel telling the women to come and see? This isn't a trick question. What was he telling them to come and see? The answer is nothing. There was nothing there. So come and see. There's plenty of evidence to observe. Secondly, go and tell. There's a message that's worth telling if the belief is convincing in your own life. And I note that we go and tell in faith, not sight. Look at verse 7. Now now that they'd seen with the eyes of belief... The angel gives them a mission. I want you to notice something that stood out to me as I was meditating upon this. He says to the women, there you, what? Say the word. You will see. That's future tense. Think about it. Now think about this. These women saw the empty tomb, the empty place. See, he says. Look at this. They saw nothing. They had not seen seen Jesus and last I checked none of you have either I haven't seen him but do you believe Peter said though we don't see him we love him and though we don't see him now yet believing we have joy inexpressible and full of glory do you have that kind of joy is it really there do you have that kind of joy we walk by faith not by what not by sight. Now, Matthew tells us, as they went, they saw him, and you will too. Not physically, not, not you won't see a manifestation where you could do that, but Jesus said, if you, if, you, if you know me and you obey me, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, I'll love him, and I'll show myself to him. Have you ever read that? And that's what he does, as we walk by faith. We go and tell with trembling. So we go and tell in faith, not sight. We go and tell, watch this, with trembling, not timidity. Do you see in verse 8, they left, and the Bible says they left trembling. Do you see the word there? The word trembling is where we get a word tremor from. It means like an earthquake. They're shaking. They're shaking for fear. But it's, it's, it's not just Scaredy cat fear. They're shaking for joy of belief. They believe. They went in faith. Because he had risen. And yet the scripture says, and they went out. Notice, they went trembling, but they went out. They're going. They're going in trembling, not timidity. This is why Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Have you ever read that? That's what we have if our belief is convincing enough. That's how we go if you believe in the resurrected Lord Jesus. Here's another observation, one more. We go and tell with confidence, not confusion. There's nothing confusing about the facts. Christ died Christ was buried, Christ is risen, Christ is ascended, and he is the only way to heaven. Amen? And we go with confidence, not confusion. And that confidence brings ecstasy. Look what it says there in verse 8. They went trembling and with, see the word there? It's, you see the word astonishment there? That's where we get our English word ecstasy. You know what ecstasy is, don't you? It's, it is the it is the it's 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 the most explicit word we can come up with in our english language to talk about this joy that we can't contain that just comes out of us that's the idea here all of my life all of my young adult life i believed i believed in jesus i believed in a triune god I believed that Jesus died and rose again. I believed it, but I also believed that my church is what saved me. My baptism saved me. My sacraments saved me. The good works I did saved me. And when I heard the truth, because the problem was I never knew if I did enough. In, in, it, was, it was a mixture of faith. I never knew if my faith was enough to get me to heaven. And when someone took the staff and showed me the word of God, the resurrected Jesus, and I learned that it was faith alone that saves, and I bought into it, and I repented, and I believed, I'm telling you, I had ecstasy. Amen. And you will too, if it's real in your life. Because he's risen. It's ecstasy no drug can compare to, no relationship, no religion for sure. The, uh, the man I was telling you about at the very beginning, he and his wife are going to Ireland. Frederick and Gemma Sandberg. They were atheists and evolutionist, and the gospel literally intersected with them to show them that they were going down a wrong path. And when God spoke to Gemma, to her heart, he sensed Jesus saying, Gemma, come to me. Come and see. And she said, Lord, I come and I come running. And they've been running ever since. Why do I make this mention? Because the gospel that changed lives in the first century is still doing it. It'll do it in your life if your belief is real and if it's convincing Some of you just don't know. You're kind of at a fork in the road. You don't know which way to go. And I'm reminded in conclusion of the story, true story in Africa, of a Muslim man that was converted. He placed his faith in Jesus and his life was changed. And his friends came up to him and said, why would you do this? Why would you believe in Jesus? This is how the Muslim man, the former Muslim, now a Christian, explained to his friends. He said, if you were lost, if you were on a road and lost, You didn't know which way to go. And if you came to a fork in the road, and you knew one way was the right way, and one way was the wrong way, and there were two men at the fork, one dead and the other alive, which one would you ask directions from? He said to his Muslim friends, I chose the live one. He said, that was me. And Muhammad and Jesus were at the fork of my road. Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. I chose to listen to the live one. He is the way, the road, the truth and the life. Amen. No one comes to the Father except through me. So who's given you directions? And if the directions are true, have you believed them? And if you've believed, how convincing? Is it in your life that Jesus, who rose from the dead, has raised you up from the dead? Let's pray. God, we love you and thank you for your word and thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate him today with great ecstasy because of his resurrection, because he lives as we have sung. We live. We have hope. And we have joy, inexpressible and full of glory because of you and because of your resurrected Son, Lord God. So, Lord Jesus, would you resurrect somebody in this room right now? Would you resurrect somebody dead in their trespasses and sins, watching online? And that's you, dear friend. You would say, There's no evidence in my life that I've believed. I have intellectually, it's in my head, it's not in my heart. No one would be convinced of me being a Christian. That might be because you're not. Would you examine yourself to see if you're in the faith right now? Would you believe that Christ died for you and rose again? And with all of your heart, believe in him. Turn to him. Turn from your sin. Repent and be saved by the resurrected Lord Jesus. Would you do that? Ah, we would rejoice with you, dear friend. And that's what we're asking in Jesus' name stand.